Rockland Trust, each relationship matters, and we know that your relationship with money may be complicated and may need some extra love and attention. But where do you start? I'm Julie Beckham, the Financial Education Officer at Rockland Trust, and this is the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. What you should have done and could have done, didn't know and should have known, doesn't matter anymore. There's no use spending one more minute blaming or shaming yourself. Because really, with everything going on in the world right now, you don't have time to get down on yourself. And you don't deserve it. We're all in this together, starting now. And like I said, there's no shame in this money game. Welcome, everyone, to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. I am really excited to have a conversation with Bonnie Liddell, first vice president and senior fiduciary officer for Rockland Trust Investment Management Group. Bonnie is here today to demystify estate planning, what that all means, and how we can start to plan for something that most of us have really tried to avoid. Welcome, Bonnie. Good morning, Julie. Reading about you, I feel like we kind of got a two-for-one special today, because not only do you work for an investment management group, but you're also a lawyer. Is that correct? That is. That is. But I hope nobody holds that against me. (laughs) Well, no, we're not holding that against you. Actually, I am so excited because there are so many questions that we have concerning estate planning and what that means. Now, first of all, when I hear the term estate planning, I am immediately intimidated. It's like seeing Esquire at the end of your name. An estate, what is that? Sure, I can totally understand why that sounds intimidating. And often people will hear the word estate and it sounds kind of like mysterious and it must just be something that a really wealthy individual might have, but it doesn't apply to me. And, you know, that's not true. It really applies to almost everybody. And really what it means is it's it's kind of your lifetime accumulation of, of things that you value. So, for example, what's an asset of an estate? Your home, your car, checking account or savings account. You may have a retirement account, life insurance. I mean, these are all assets that are part of your estate. They're what you own and control, and they're, frankly, what you value. And this is kind of what you own at your life. And an estate also includes what you own at your death. Okay, so my vision of an estate as being some sprawling landscaped hill with a mansion sitting on top of it is is a little off. Most certainly, you know, an estate can include a little cottage and a checking account. It's not a big manor on a hillside. Most definitely not. So some of us have been staring at the same four walls for the last couple of months, and and we may continue to do so. And we're trying to accomplish something and, and kind of get organized and realize that, gosh, we're not organized at all. We don't even have a will if something were to happen. So can you explain why that's important? What exactly a will is? Sure. And it's kind of funny you mentioned that because, you know, I have a lot of clients and I do talk about estate planning with them, which means just planning for those assets that are part of your estate. And a lot of them recently have been calling me and emailing me because they've been dusting off those documents and revisiting them. So I totally understand what you're you're talking about. When you have time on your hands during this pandemic, that's one of the things that we are thinking about. So what is a will? I mean, it's really important to understand that that's a 
a legal document where you are naming an individual or an institution like Rockland Trust as your personal representative to basically manage your assets when you pass away and then kind of have an orderly administration of those assets so that eventually they're going to pass on to your intended beneficiaries. Your personal representative is the person responsible for carrying out the provisions of a will and managing the assets until the estate is settled. The terms personal representative and executor are interchangeable. Now, in that document, besides naming a personal representative, you're also going to name who you'd like to receive those assets. It may be family members, it may be a good friend, a partner, it may be a charity. And something important to understand about a will is that that orderly administration of your assets is going to take place under the supervision of the probate court. Probate is a court-supervised process where the validity of a person's will is verified. It is also a time when creditors can present claims against a person's estate and ensure the rightful transfer of properties and assets according to a properly executed will, or when no will exists, to the people, agencies, or organizations required by state law. Oftentimes, this process can take around 6 to 12 months. So that's, you know, important thing to know. And the will is going to be a public document. And I'm just going to put out there that a will is really important to have one if you have minor children, because that's the document where you're going to name an individual as a guardian of your minor children if, God forbid, you should predecease them. So there are a lot of important reasons to have a will, but that's one I I hope that our listeners pay attention to. Definitely. I think that besides money, which most Americans do not like to think about, I think that death is probably up there in that category as well as a topic that we do not want to think about, talk about, but we need to plan for. So you mentioned just a second ago that in your will, you can have a personal representative, and you mentioned also Rockland Trust as a representative. Can you explain more about that? Sure. Sometimes individuals, you know, have a family member they would like to name as a personal representative to take care of their estate when they pass away, and they have a lot of confidence in that individual. That individual may, a child, for example, may be an attorney or an accountant, But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes they may have children who, for one reason or another, just aren't able or or maybe they're not financially savvy or maybe they live far away or maybe that individual doesn't have children or they may be in a blended family situation and they would rather not have a family member in that position. They'd rather have an institution like Rockland Trust. So we do offer estate settlement services where if we're named we will work closely with the family and the beneficiaries and make sure there's an orderly administration of their estate. But sometimes it can avoid disputes or kind of some emotional issues that can come up when a parent passes away. No, definitely. I mean, obviously, there's so many emotions that come up when someone does pass away. To have that taken care of by a third party can be so beneficial, I'm sure, in in so many circumstances. When we talk about wills and we're talking about our assets, some folks have also invested in a trust. What is the difference between having a will and having a trust? And why would one choose one over the other or both? 
Sure, that's a great question, Julie. And it's definitely not a matter of choosing one over the other. So I want our listeners to be clear on that. If you have a trust, you're always going to have a will. A will is really the first basic document that you're going to have when it it comes to your estate and passing on your assets to, for example, the next generation. But a trust is similar in that it's a legal document like a will. You are going to name an individual or, again, a bank as the trustee in this case, and the trustee is going to have legal title to the assets that are in the trust. So typically when you set up a trust, at least in Massachusetts, you're going to transfer assets into that trust. For example, you might transfer investment accounts or real estate. And the purpose of the trust is going to be a little different than a will because the trust not only provides for an orderly distribution of your assets when you pass away, but often a trust is set up during your lifetime where you will have assets funding that trust and you may be making distributions or gifts to your children or grandchildren during your lifetime through that trust. Let me break this one down. Think of a will as a scroll-like document that literally gives directives on who gets what at the time of your death. And if you're really with me on picturing someone reading from a scroll, you know that anyone with an earshot of that reading can hear what is written on this scroll. This is true of a will as well. It is a public document. A trust is like a present. Nobody knows what's inside the present by looking at the box. It's private. And the people holding the present are the trustees. They are the beneficiaries of the trust in whatever is in that box. There are many kinds of trusts for many different purposes, which Bonnie will talk about now. The trust can serve many purposes and often... When an estate, so those assets that you own and your relationship with your beneficiaries may be a little more complex, you might need a trust. So, for example, if you have minor children, we talked about how important a guardian is, well, you might want to set up a trust for their education in case you have a premature death. Or if you have an adult child who's a spendthrift and you think they're going to go through all of their inheritance quite quickly, you might want to set up a trust with a bank as a trustee, for example, to kind of manage those assets to make sure that they have those assets their whole lifetime. You may set up a trust for a child with special needs. You may set up a trust if you have a blended family and you want to make sure both spouse and the children from a prior marriage are taken care of. You may set up a trust if you have a taxable estate and you want to try to minimize those taxes at your death. So there are a lot of reasons why you may want to set up a trust, but a trust isn't for everyone. You really need to look at the facts and circumstances of each person's situation to make that determination. I'm going to overly simplify wills and trusts. Having a will is like going to Disney World. Having a trust is like going to Disney World with a fast pass. It's more expensive, takes a little more planning, but no lines, no waiting. You know, I'm going to say, you know, nine out of 10 individuals really do need a will. And like you said previously, it it is amazing how, you know, 
Well, I guess it's not amazing. A lot of us are afraid of our mortality and to think about, you know, those life and death issues, end of life issues. And I guess that's why so few Americans actually have a a will or draft a will. I think the typical age is like in their 50s when you first draft a will. And uh, I think over 50% of Americans don't even have a will. I do think that has to do with the fact that we don't want to think about negative things. What does happen if someone dies and they don't have a will? Is it a next of kin situation? In your experience, what has the situation been? Sure, that's a great question. And, you know, the first thing that I'm just going to mention is that it really, you know, as as all attorneys will say, it depends. You know, it really depends on the type of assets that were part of that word we used earlier, estate. So if For example, a parent passes away, but they had a checking account or savings account or maybe an investment account, and they owned it jointly with a child then or with a sibling, it would pass directly to the surviving joint owner. Or if they had a large retirement account, we're seeing retirement accounts now is really one of the largest assets um, in many estates. And those are governed by a legal agreement where you would have a beneficiary designation. So if you did name a beneficiary, then it would go that retirement account or life insurance policy is another one with beneficiary designations. Those would go outright to those designated beneficiaries. But let's say you didn't have a designated beneficiary and let's say you owned your home or you know your savings or investment accounts were titled in your name, not with a joint owner. Then there's every state has a statute, which is an intestate statute. It's the laws of intestacy. Intestate is when someone dies without a legal will. For example, many people die intestate because they believe they are too young to need a will. Basically, what that means, getting back to your initial question, the assets are going to pass to your next of kin, and there's going to be kind of an orderly designation there or set of rules. But I think all of us, we work so hard to accumulate a lifetime of earnings that the last thing we want really is for the state to decide who gets our assets, when and how. So that's why it's really important to have at least the basic documents like a will so we can control who gets our hard-earned assets and when they get them and how they get them. Okay, so if my life isn't that complicated and I have no intention of setting up a trust, I don't have giant assets or multiple properties, but I do want to be responsible and organized, can I just go online and and create a will? Sure, that's a great question, Julie. And, you know, I know nowadays there are a lot of different software packages and online services where you can kind of create your own will. But, you know, as an attorney, I'm, you know, I, I tend to shy away for, from those. But the reason I do is, you know, they may be fine for some folks, but I would say the vast majority of people really should consult with an attorney. This really wasn't the most fair question to ask Bonnie. Asking an attorney if you should draft your own will online is like asking your hairdresser if you should cut your own hair. It's not advisable. But as we know, desperate times call for desperate measures, and a lot of us have been sporting our homemade hairstyles lately. And although it may not be pretty, it was a necessary measure. 
Main takeaway here, if you own anything, and especially if you have children under 18, you need a will. Most estate attorneys offer free consultations, so set one up. Ask some questions, learn what you can from someone who knows a lot on this subject, and if you realize that the cost, on average around the $1,000 range, is not what you can afford, do some online research or ask the estate attorney for a lower cost option. A will is not a luxury. It's a necessary document, so think of it like a copay or a deductible, just another expense of adulting. Just so you know, an attorney is needed to draft a will. If you're not using one of those programs, you know, you can't have your neighbor draft your will for you if they're not an attorney. And the reason I mention an attorney is that they are not just going to focus on the will. They're going to look at all your assets, see how you own them, and then they're going to coordinate those assets. So again, I mentioned retirement accounts or life insurance. You know, they're going to coordinate those beneficiary designations with the beneficiaries in your will. They're going to look and see, you know, do you have a taxable estate in Massachusetts? A taxable estate in Massachusetts is an estate valued at over $1 million. Now, before you think, okay, that is so not me, add it up. The value of housing in some areas of Massachusetts is very high. So if you own your home and you have a retirement account, you could very well have a taxable estate and you don't even know it. So the attorney is going to kind of look at all your assets and they're going to come up with a plan that best addresses those assets and how to get them to your intended beneficiaries. So it's, you know, much more than just a will. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that in addition to a will, what the attorney is going to do is also look at some of those lifetime documents like a healthcare proxy and the power of attorney. Those are really critical documents while you're alive. And, you know, healthcare proxies where you name an individual to make healthcare decisions for you should you lose capacity. And the power of attorneys where you're naming an individual or more than one individual to manage your financial affairs generally when you lose capacity. So, you know, a legal advisor is going to look at all of that and work closely with you to come up with a plan that addresses, you know, issues that happen during your lifetime where you need a document and also address, you know, the passing of your assets to the next generation through a will or perhaps a trust. Now, if I'm listening and I want to find an attorney to do my estate planning, what do I look for? I know if I'm looking, as we talked about in our last episode, for a financial advisor, I'm looking for someone who's a fiduciary who is required to act with my best interests in mind. What do I look for? Do I look for an attorney who is an estate planner? And is it as simple as going to a local bank and asking if they have these services? When you go see an attorney or you're, you're trying to decide, you're, you're trying to pick a, an attorney, you certainly have to have that rapport. You know, you have to like them. And that might sound silly and starting off with that, but I think it's the same as when you're choosing a doctor. I mean, you obviously want a competent attorney. You want an attorney who specializes in estate planning and administration of estates. You know, you don't probably want to go see a real estate attorney to draft your estate planning documents, especially if you 
you have a complex estate. But you want to make sure that you can work with that individual because, you know, you are going to be sharing a lot of personal information. You know, you may have issues with your children that you're going to need to address. You may have some concerns. And, it you know, it's a very personal conversation. And like we said, you know, you're going to be talking about end-of-life issues, your mortality, perhaps you have a blended family, you may have a spendthrift child. So, you know, you really do need to feel comfortable with the person that you choose. I think that's such great advice. And and one that I actually haven't heard before, Bonnie, is that you have to like the person that you're working with. There are so many barriers to sitting down with someone to talk about something as uncomfortable as your assets or lack thereof, your family, how complicated it might be, and your impending demise, your death. So I think that actually liking the person who you're going to, you're right, open up to this person as much as you would sitting in your doctor's office. You would never have a doctor that you couldn't tell your medical issues to or talk about your body with. So I think that's great initial advice for someone who is hesitant and who is very nervous about starting this conversation and making a plan, and but really wants to have this important document, their will, or investigate if they need a trust. I think that that's great advice. Thank you. Good, good. Well, you know, I, I do truly believe clients will open up to you if they get a level of comfort and they trust you. And then when they open up to you, you can really explore the right tools and options to kind of meet their goals. But if they don't feel comfortable, they may not mention everything that's, you know, important. And then they may not end up with a plan that really does what they want it to. Well, Bonnie, I'm so amazed at all of the information that you've been able to share with us. Again, our estate is not this big castle on a hill. It is our accumulation of assets throughout our lives. And also, it deals with the complications of our relationships that we have in our lives. And and although we don't want to think about our future in, in terms of death, we do need to plan for it. So I have a list of questions on my little portable spinning wheel here that I, I incorporate because this is the no shame in this money game podcast. So there is a gaming aspect. So let me just spin the wheel and then I'm going to ask you one of the questions. All right, here we go. Benjamin Franklin has said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Can you explain or think of an example of how this might apply in your line of work? Sure. You know, what comes to mind right away is, you know, when you hear in the news of uh, that famous celebrity who unexpectedly passed away, they're worth millions and millions of dollars. And for all those reasons we talked about earlier today, they didn't want to confront their mortality. They didn't want to deal, you know, with the issue of what happens when I die and, you know, how do I want my assets to go to my intended beneficiary? So they just did nothing. You know, they fall into that large group of Americans who don't even have a simple will. And so, you know, I think of those folks, I, I think of Prince. I think Prince was one of those celebrities who passed away with millions and millions. And now his family members are fighting in court. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time. He worked so hard. He was so famous. He accumulated so much. And he probably 
would be really upset to know that now he's got loved ones who don't speak to each other and, you know, there's a protracted legal battle over his estate. I don't think any of us really would want that to happen. I don't think we'd want our family members to be fighting over our estate. So if we can have a plan in place that mitigates that, it may not 100% avoid it, but if it mitigates it, you know, that's what I would want at least. So kind of that's what I think about with that quote. Absolutely. And, you know, Prince's Millions is is one thing, but Prince's Millions could be one family's, you know, $10,000. And it doesn't matter the amount. It's it's the disruption. It's the argument, right? It's the unsettled dispute that no one wants to imagine their families having after they pass. Exactly. Okay, Bonnie, last question. Now, Rockland Trust is the bank where each relationship matters. If you could use one word to describe your relationship with money, what would it be? Sure. So I think what comes to mind immediately is the word choice. And I say choice because, you know, we all have choices in life and a lot of them are related to money. So for me, I think my relationship with money is all about choices, you know, the kind of education I got the tuition I paid, you know, led to the school that I went to that led to the job that I chose that, you know, led to the amount of money that I earned, you know, the amount of money that I'm saving for retirement right now will lead to different choices that I'll have, you know, when I do retire. So for me, money's all about choices, you know, how we live today and, you know, tomorrow and, and, and how, The money we earn is going to impact our children and grandchildren. To me, it's all about choices we make. That's a great answer. Thank you so much, Bonnie. I so appreciate you using your experience and your expertise by trying to help some of our listeners learn a little bit more and be a little less intimidated by this this topic that's so important, estate planning. Thank you, Bonnie. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for having me on this podcast. It's been my pleasure, and I look forward to chatting with you another time in the future. Thank you for listening to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast, brought to you by Rockland Trust, member FDIC. My name is Julie Beckham, and yes, I do take requests. So be sure to email your personal finance questions and curiosities to me, your host and your educator, at julie.beckham at rocklandtrust.com. Mm-hmm.